Welcome to Wallachia. Previously, Eon has a new job in the castle, assistant Nicolay, son of Radu, the local lord. Walking back up to the castle one night, Eon came across Count Dracula talking to the woman in white who had been watching Marley several days prior. Count Dracula attacks and bites Eon. He wakes up with no memory of this. Marley, having noticed something odd about another villager, Eugen, asks Eon and Kwasi to help her take a book from Father Abraham's private library in the church. While the rest of the village goes to see Count Dracula and Radu speak, they take the book. When they get back up to the castle, they see someone climb onto the stage and stab Radu. Chapter 6 The Proud Blood of the Wallachian Not long after he'd moved to Kumpana village, Abraham had written about the townsfolk in his journal. Good people, superstitious but God-fearing, not any more insular than most other towns I visited. They prefer their own, but happily accept any man a woman brings home as a husband. They put too much salt on nearly everything. Good sheep's cheese, wines, and brandy. This assessment hadn't changed much over the years. They truly were good people. They lived by God's laws as much as their countries, and though they failed in all the usual ways, adultery and fornication, disagreements that turned to violence, pernicious gossip, and more adultery, they attended confession at uncommon rates and made honest efforts to improve. They were fiercely loyal and would help any neighbor who needed it, especially when concerning a slight, perceived or genuine, that came from someone from outside the village. As Kwasi drove the carriage up the road toward the castle, passing a number of villagers on the way, Abraham thought back on how comfortable he'd become here. He said mass, helped the people with their problems, and led the ordinary life he'd worried as a teen he'd never get to live. How has Cosman been? asked Abraham. The young man's father had been the first person from Campana he'd ever met over 20 years ago. Fine, I think Amaya misses him when he's away, like always. And of course you do as well. Of course, I'm just... You're happier helping your mama make clothes than being out with the sheep. Don't tell him that. No need to worry. I've known your father a long time. She'll be up there already. M.I.A., I mean. I'm sure she'd like to see you. Actually, she said my tata wanted to come see you when he got back in. At intervals along the road, large wooden stakes had been driven into the ground. At the top of each, a large torch was lit. As they rode up the mountain, the sun to their backs was getting lower in the sky. The torches weren't needed yet, but they would be for the trip down to the village. Abraham wondered why Domnul Negescu had scheduled his speech for the evening. It was midsummer, and days were long. Why make everyone go home after dark and go through the effort to set up all the torches when there had been many hours of daylight available? At least the full moon was still two weeks away. Try as he had to convince people that there was no reason to be fearful of a werewolf, he was certain that no one would be caught outside after dark in a fortnight's time. Negescu Rado didn't call for town meetings very often. As a Turkish suzerainty, Waliki was deferent to the Ottoman Empire for foreign affairs. It was ruled internally by Hospodar, whose role was akin to that of Prince. From time to time, either he or the Sultan would give Radu a proclamation to read or ask him to raise some matter of policy or politics. On those occasions, or if there were local matters to discuss, he would summon the heads of the village households for a meeting. Usually at most 20 men would attend. Tonight, it seemed the entire village had come, women, children, and all. An appearance by Count Dracula was not something to miss. I'll see you later, Father. Come find me if you want to ride back down, said Kwasi after parking the carriage. He caught sight of a friend and bounded off into the crowd. It was good to see the boy doing so well. Abraham knew it hadn't been easy for his family at first. Being the local priest in a Wallachian village granted one a certain level of celebrity. Everyone wanted to say hello, to share a story, or invite him to dinner. It made moving through a crowd difficult if one had somewhere to be. They had been told that the speech would begin at sunset, but whether it would or not was of no concern to the villagers. They would stand around and chat for as long as they liked, making no effort to move toward the stage and be ready to listen until the mood struck them. 
In Syria, if an event were set to begin at a certain time, one was considered late if you weren't in place with a few minutes to spare. The Romanian, in Abraham's experience, had no concept of punctuality. He didn't even know their word for it. The one exception was mass. Villagers organized their entire days around mass attendance, though Abraham was quite sure that this was less out of respect for his desire to begin on time and more because it was important to be in place so as not to miss out on any time for gossip. For all other events over which Abraham was not presiding, such as today's speech, he had simply accepted that he'd have to take his time, speak with everyone, and find a spot to watch the speech whenever it seemed natural. As he worked his way through the crowd, he had ample time to assemble a list of the things people seemed to be talking about, either directly with him or as overheard chatter. Count Dracula, Cornell's death and the suspected identity of the werewolf, rumors of a dark-haired woman wandering the land across the river, the Count's guard's arrest of several Romani. He soon had occasion to see firsthand another of the things everyone seemed to be talking about, the lady in the white cloak. She was walking across the castle's lawn with Lucia. She had a striking face, straight, dark hair, a very pale complexion, and a slight case of sunburn. Abraham smiled at Lucia. She waved, but continued listening to the woman. Presently, one of Count Dracula's guards came up to them. He stopped, stood erect at attention, and clicked his heels together. Abraham overheard him say, Frau Margareta, I have settled with the Sarda and have brought your carriage to the stables. Should I tell them you'll be departing in the morning? The woman responded, No, the Count, it turns out, has asked me to stay on for just a few more days. The guard bowed quickly and moved off, and the woman resumed her conversation with Lucia. Abraham realized he needed to resist the urge to eavesdrop further, when he overheard someone say, Please stop, I don't want to hear any more. He turned to see Eugen, standing by himself under a tree. He couldn't see whom he had been talking to. No, we can't allow it to happen. Please stop looking at me like that, said Eugen. Abraham walked over to him. Eugen saw him approach, and with a look of surprise, or perhaps embarrassment, said, Hello, father. Eugen, is everything okay? Forgive me, but you seem upset. Thank you, just a headache. He looked at Father Abraham, made eye contact for just a moment, then turned his head to look at something to his right. Abraham turned as well, but didn't see anything. Maybe you should go back home and lie down. Were you all working hard this week building the stage and setting up the torches? Eugen didn't respond immediately, then said, Hmm? Oh, yes, working hard. Thank you, Father. Abraham made a note to check in on Eugen later in the week. From behind him, he heard a nasal voice say, Hello, Father. Thank you for coming. He turned to see Negrescu Nicolay standing with a group of several other villagers. Abraham smiled and shook hands with each. My father appreciates your efforts in helping everyone deal with the loss of Cornell. He was my assistant, you know. I'm glad I can be of some comfort, said Abraham. It was quite a shock to everyone. We were just talking about how good it is that you've been trying to calm the people down about the rumors. Because it was a full moon. Nicolay looked around at the others who were standing with him, as if waiting for someone to make the connection explicit. When no one spoke, he continued, And I'm very happy you've worked to dispel the talk of this werewolf. I guess we'll all feel better after the next full moon when nothing happens. Yes, thank you, Nicolay, and wish your father well for me. His generosity to the church is always appreciated. Abraham moved closer to the stage, where he found Kwasi standing with his mother. She turned as he approached, smiled, and kissed his cheeks. And how are you, Okosha? said Abraham. I'm well, thank you. It was so thoughtful of Kwasi to offer me a ride this evening. In Cosman's well? He is, she said. Then, moving closer, she said, quietly. He'd like to come see you soon. He's worried about something they're saying in the mountains. I'm sure it's just the other shepherds being superstitious. I hope so. The crowd had suddenly grown quiet. Abraham looked up to see that four members of the Order of the Dragon had approached the stage area. As always, they wore long, high-collared black coats trimmed with red. Two carried rifles on their shoulders. The other two had swords on their belts. After a few minutes, Negruscu Radu climbed onto the stage from the back and stepped forward. The crowd stood, watching. Nicolay and his mother joined their father on the stage and took spaces at the back. 
Finally, Count Dracula appeared to a burst of applause. He was clad in black from head to foot. Behind him, the sun had just set, painting the sky a deep crimson and making his eyes seem to be red as well. The villagers applauded. After a moment, Negroscurado said, Thank you for coming. I am pleased to formally introduce Count Dracula of Transylvania, who would like to say a few words. He bowed, then said, Count Dracula? The Count waited for another round of applause to die. Once he had appeared, the villagers had finally moved toward the stage and were now packed in tightly. Even over the murmur of so many people, and though the castle's lawn was large, his voice was loud and perfectly clear. His accent was Transylvanian, with a strange intonation. I must first thank your Isprovnik Radu for allowing me to stay in his noble castle above your village. The Count swept his arm toward his host, then continued. My time in your land has been pleasant. I hope that the alliance we have formed in these weeks remains for many years to come. A hundred, perhaps a thousand. The crowd cheered. We Sekulis of Transylvania, you see, have much in common with the Wallachian. Both our people won their lands against the Turks, the Magyar, the Slav, and on this land we have mixed our blood with the best that have ever been here. From the great Dacian Empire, gone nearly 2,000 years, to the Romans and on until today. We have combined the strongest and the boldest to create the powerful, proud people that live today. Through your veins, as in mine, this strong blood flows and drives us toward greatness. The crucible of time has melted and mixed together the finest qualities of all the European races. In your blood, you have the stalwart strength of the Dacians mixed with the empire-building ambition of the Romans. You have the ferocity of the Ugric tribes who brought with him the very thunder of Thor mixed with the terrifying barbarity of Attila the Hun. Through the ages, you have taken the very best each people had to offer and poured it into your veins. Your hearts beat with the strength of a thousand years of sweat, tears, and blood. The blood, my Wallachian friends, is the life. I am sure, with the hospitality I have been shown, that we will work well together, Transylvania and Wallachia. Was it not an alliance of my people with your Prince Michael the Brave, Voivode of Wallachia, who crossed the Danube and fought off the Turks in their own land? Was it not a Voivode Dracula who, a hundred years before that, dared to do the same? What mighty creature but one whose warrior blood runs to his core could have held the land against so many invaders? What devil but the Wallach could remain strong through all these hundreds of years? You, here, have that same strength within you. This land is yours, he turned and again gestured toward his host, and your proud Radu here is truly one of Wallachia's finest sons. The villagers screamed in approval and admiration for their landlord. Not far from your village, just down this river, said Dracula, pointing into the valley below, lie the ruins of Castello Poneri, the fortress of the Voivodes. The Negrescu family declared that its fall to ruin would not stand, and raised a new Castello Argus, more magnificent than its brother had ever been. And here, your Radu has served as his providence, caring for this district and seeing that the law is administered justly. But I think I see a new day coming soon, where the might of the Wallachian voivodes will march again in these valleys, these forests, throughout your great land, and even across the Danube and beyond. Again the crowd cheered. Abraham looked around and saw excitement on every face. Not being from Wallachia, he didn't have the same level of fervor for the country's older days, when it resisted Hungary and fought Turkey, but this Transylvanian count had certainly roused something in the audience. The applause continued. Dracula stepped back and Radu moved to the front of the stage. He raised his arms and the noise grew. He started to speak, but had to stop and wait for the sound to die down. When he resumed, his voice lacked the same presence as the Count's, but the crowd fell silent so they could hear. Thank you, Count Dracula. Thank you. The Count has been a wonderful guest, and I'm sure you're at all as appreciative as I am that he came to visit our village. Alas, he will be leaving soon, but he will be leaving some of Transylvania with him. But before I speak on that, I wanted to talk about where we are, where Wallachia is here in the 19th century. You see, my friends, it is past time that we put away the superstitions of the old days, starting with this talk of werewolves. I know many of you are shocked at the death of the young footman who worked in this castle. I can assure you we will discover the identity of his murderer. 
In the dungeon of Castella Largish here, we are keeping a number of Romani, of Shigani, as they're called in some places, who we think may know something about this senseless act, and I assure you, they will be made to speak for the killing of an innocent young man. But please, this is a new era. We do not need to whisper about Prequelich. There are, indeed, evil things on this earth sent by the devil to seduce us, but among them there are no men that turn into wolves. Spending our time worrying about werewolves makes us less able to see the real evil of Satan and his wicked ways. No, my friends, we must now, more than ever, look instead to God for strength and clarity. It is for this reason that my family has always supported the church so faithfully. A few hands clapped Abraham on the back. We are joined here today not just by the magnificent Count Dracula, but by several of the last members of the Order of the Dragon. This great society was founded by the Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund over 400 years ago. His hope was to create a powerful force that could fight against the Ottoman Empire of his time with God on their side and to defend the church from heretics. They chose the dragon as their symbol so that they might be as brave as St. George who brought Christianity and God's glory to entire pagan cities. Since the age of the Crusades, the order has diminished, but our friends to the north have kept its ways. It is my honor to announce that Count Dracula has agreed to lend us several of its members who will begin a campaign to expand their ranks and recruit new members to their noble brotherhood. It is my hope that some of you here will prove devoted enough to God that you might be the first to be inducted into our new Wallachian chapter of the Order of the Dragon. May we all work to build a new Wallachia, again as great as it ever was in the age of the Voivodes, and alongside the Order of the Dragon, purify our land and then spread out to every corner of the earth. As cheers began, Abraham felt himself abruptly pushed to the side by someone. He fell into Kwasi, who looked at him in surprise, but then helped him stand upright again. In front of them, a figure was pushing his way through the crowd. Abraham heard him mutter, I know, he'll do it. All those people hanging, fields of blood, and then the fire. They watched as this figure, whose face Abraham now saw, approached the stage and climbed onto it. It was Eugen. The carpenter pulled a knife from his belt and raised it high over his head. Radu had been taking in the adulation and hadn't noticed until the man was right in front of him. He looked up at the knife, but didn't move. Eugen brought the knife down to his side and looked around for a moment. The guards who had been flanking the stage were advancing toward him. Radu took one step backward, then Eugen lunged toward him. He drew his hand back, then stabbed the knife into Radu's midsection. The guards reached Eugen at just the moment he pulled the knife away. They knocked him to the stage floor, and two dragged him away. Radu put his hands against his stomach, then raised them up to his face. He stared at the blood for a moment, said, in a weak voice that had a hint of fascination to it, so like the swan, then bent over and fell onto the stage. His wife, Doamnu Nadia, screamed. Nikolay remained in place, without moving, for several seconds, then took a few steps toward the remaining guards who had knelt by Radu. Someone else climbed onto the stage. One of the guards sprung to his feet and started for the man, before noticing it was Vlad, Radu's aide. Vlad joined them, and they pulled back Radu's waistcoat and shirt to assess the wound. All around Abraham, the people in the crowd were screaming. Some ran in the direction of the road, away from the castle. Kwasi pulled his mother toward him and held her close. Eon appeared in the swarm, moving toward the stage, pushing his way past the retreating villagers. Kwasi saw him and called his name. On the stage, Nikolay stood still. For just a moment, his expression flickered to a smile. It disappeared, and he turned to comfort his mother. Thank you for listening. This chapter was originally published in November of 19. Readers were asked to vote on who would run the castle affairs while Radu was injured. Would the local governor come and appoint someone to take care of things, or would he allow Nikolay to be in charge? If you'd like to participate in reader polls, you can download the Wolaki app for free from the App Store. If you're enjoying the story, there are also buttons at the end of each chapter in the app where you can leave a tip. You can follow Wilakia on Twitter at Wilakianet or on the web at Wilakia.net. Next chapter in two weeks, Marley goes to visit Eugen in jail.